Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder, she has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my super organized co-host, Mina Kunlo-Sitep. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. So today we are delighted to bring you guys a very special guest. We have Shelly Warren on the podcast today. She is a fellow podcaster, but she is also the chief people officer at BizChicks. And if you listen to our podcast, you know that we are fans and devotees of BizChicks and Shelly is one of the main people over there. So Shelly, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to be here, ladies. You know how much of a fan I am of the two of you. Thank you. And we've met Shelly in person multiple times Mm -hmm. now, and Mm -hmm. we're delighted to have you on the podcast. So for those of our listeners that are not familiar with you or your podcast, please share a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm definitely the host of the Stacking Your Team podcast, which is the sister podcast to the award-winning Biz Chicks podcast. And so the people that I serve on my podcast are that service-based business owner or product-based business owner who has a team, is continuing to grow a team, and is really looking to step up into their role as leader, leader of the business, and then leader of people. And so what I do is I share my 25 years experience that I've had leading technical teams at Procter & Gamble throughout, well, there's just nothing that surprises me these days with um, the experience that I have. So I love to be able to take what I learned in corporate and be able to help entrepreneurs be able to realize that they don't need to be Fortune 50 companies to have these wonderful concepts, processes, and tools. I have them. I can share with them. Just come on over. I'm ready to share. Yeah, we, um, the podcast is so helpful. So today we want to talk about hiring seasonal help with you. I know that this is a conversation that comes up a lot within our mastermind groups and we are going through the holiday season right now. And every so often people need extra help, whether you were planning on it or not. Um, and so we wanted to dig into that because hiring seasonal help can be for any part of the year. So whenever your business is starting to get busy, you're it might be back to school when you have seasonal help, extra seasonal help. So we want to dive in. So Mina, do you have any questions to start? I do. When should we be thinking about that help? And when should we start putting that net out there for some applicants? Um, How long of a runway do we need? Well, hiring is a project, ladies. Any of you that have hired anyone, whether you're hiring in onesies or twosies or you're batch hiring, it's a project. And like any project, it needs to be planned out thoughtfully. So when we look at hiring for seasonal help, it's a project. So what we want to do is we want to get our advertisements out there. We want to get our feelers out there. We want people to really get geared up to know that we're looking to hire some seasonal help, at least on the tail end of the previous season. So if you're coming out of summer ramp up, you want to make sure that people are aware that you're going to be looking for seasonal help for the Christmas rush 
months. Because what can often happen is you can parlay the same people that you had during that particular season over into the next season. The other thing that can also happen is people that were unavailable to offer you help in that one particular season will then be available for the next season. And that can really help you in terms of your processes for hiring and onboarding and training where you can literally parlay over into the new group of new hires that you have coming over. So start thinking about what it is that you need and start getting those feelers out there and get the conversation going on the tail end of the previous season. Mm, So where would we say that we start to hire from? So a lot of our smaller businesses might think about, there's been discussion about hiring, you know, their kids, their husbands, their cousins. So within their family versus hiring local people or friends. So where would you say they start to look to hire, whether they're posting online or um, looking within their own, their own pool of people? Well, I like to tell our clients and community to think about your hiring strategy like a bullseye. So if you picture a bullseye in your mind, the red circular red dot in the middle, those are all your family and friends. You want to tell all of your family and friends and let them know that you're hiring and who it is that you're hiring for. You want to create these ambassadors out there. The other thing with having your family and friends know about the fact that you're, they're looking to hire is that it's free. They literally will start thinking about you and start talking about you and your hiring needs for free. If you go out to the next circle of the bullseye, what you're looking for is to be able to tell all your colleagues still within those free groups. So those are the Facebook groups that you belong to. If there's any sort of local chamber of commerce that you belong to, if there's a women's group that you belong to, if there's a LinkedIn group that you belong to, and LinkedIn itself, we want to make sure that you're using all your social media platforms to spread the word that you're hiring. Because it's all free and, as you know, social media has legs, right? So the more people are talking about who you are and what it is that's happening within your business, the more momentum you're going to create. And it still hasn't cost you a dime. So then let's go out to the next layer of the rung of the, the bullseye. And that's where you're going to go and look for online job boards. People that host job boards, whether it's a Facebook job board like New Jersey is Hiring, or if you're going down to your local education and employment center, they will often have a physical board in their office, but they'll also have an online board. And they're craving for quality jobs to post about and talk about. So if you have a great opportunity for someone to come in seasonally, or if you're looking to bring on someone full-time or even part-time as a long-term role, make sure you're taking advantage of those local job boards. People often kind of like scone through those kind of job boards, even if they're not even looking for a job. They're just curious to know what's happening. But what can end up happening is they'll see a job posting and they'll think about that or their friend, their cousin, their former colleague or their neighbor. And so it creates this ripple effect where more people are talking about you, your brand and your hiring needs, and it still hasn't cost you a dime. And the other thing is those people that are at those employment and education centers, it's their job to find you candidates. Okay. So Mm -hmm. don't ever forget the fact it's your job as a business owner to walk into those centers, ask for help and have them tee up qualified candidates to you. So once you exhaust all those, like, so you've gone through those, you've got candidates, you still haven't found what you're looking for. Then you move out to paid. So then you're mm going to pay to put it, 
ad in the newspaper. Then you're going to go to Indeed.com. You know, then you're going to go to any sort of a paid Facebook ad or paid Instagram ad. But I love to see entrepreneurs get the qualified people that they need to continue to build their business for free first. Mm -hmm. How much is, if it's paid, how much do you typically expect to pay when you're hiring? If you're working with a recruiter, that's Mm -hmm. a different story, right? So if you're going to go work with a recruiter, two things can happen. There's the recruiter that has a flat fee. So they'll just say, for that job, it's $3,000 for me to go and find the best fit, best candidates for you. Other recruiters will actually take a percentage of the annual salary that's attached to that role, and it's typically at least 20%. So when you're looking at going to recruiter, oftentimes it's because you're looking for someone really unique. There's a specialized skill. You don't have time to wade through all the candidates, go through all the interviewing process. You're handing over hiring as a project to that recruiter. And so you're going to pay for it because it's going to be worth it. And they're going to be teeing up great qualified candidates to you. If you're going to place an ad on Indeed.com, you, they have budgets built in. So you can say to yourself, I'm going to spend $100. Let's see what I can have happen for me over the next three weeks with $100 spend. Okay, great. Yeah. I used a recruiter with Designer Consulting Co-op when I was hiring designers, so actual fashion designers that I needed to be very versatile. So that was something I needed a recruiter for versus I would go on, I don't know, it was monster.com. I forget it was years ago, but where I would do job posts for production managers, people like that, that maybe were more in between jobs. And then exactly like you're saying, I love this bullseye idea, Mm -hmm. um, especially for seasonal help, because it's something that may not need to be specialized or trained in the way of um, a jewelry maker, but it's somebody that might be helping you fulfill a task that you're feeling overwhelmed with, like shipping and fulfillment, for example. Yeah. The other thing you can do is look for your local third-party recruiters. So those people that are temp agencies, right? So oftentimes they have the candidates, you have the job opportunity. And so you can walk in and partner with them. And oftentimes they are very willing to pull up together some sort of a win-win agreement so that they can continue to serve overqualified temporary seasonal help for you. And it really reduces the stress that you have upon yourself. And it can create this really wonderful long-term partnership that you're going to have on year on, year on. So let's talk about job description. I've heard mm-hmm. you talk about job descriptions before. Um, how would you say they go about that for seasonal help, for example? Well, the idea with seasonal help is you have to stop and think about it's a different kind of person that's looking for work seasonally versus someone that's looking for work long-term, like a long-term career. And it really does all come down to the job descriptions. And I have to say our clients, I mean, it's a slam dunk at BizChicks. When you come to work with us, you get a job description, you're going to get qualified candidates. It's just, it's one of my superpowers. I love to craft them. I love to write them out. And it's really about positioning yourself as someone really compelling to want to be able to know more about. So it's very real, right? If you're building jewelry in the back office of a strip mall, just say it. Don't try and describe yourself like some kind of Google Amazon place with pool tables lined up and free juice at lunch, right? Just tell people this is exactly what the job opportunity is. And then also talk to them about what they're going to be doing. People want to understand what it is that I'm going to be able to do. And then the most critical part of any job description is 
enticing them to come and read further down throughout the job description. So those first couple of paragraphs is really about talking to them. I mean, everyone here is an entrepreneur. You all know how important the about page is on your, fa- on your website, right? The about page is not about you, it's right. about the people that you serve. Same thing with the job description. The first two paragraphs on a job description is all about them. You're talking to them. And so you want to make statements like, are you just done in with the commute every day? Did your husband just get transferred to this area and now you feel like you're starting all over and you don't even know what, where to go first? Are you looking for a job that will be able to fit in with the fringe hours of childcare? You know, talk to them like they're real people where you have the perfect recipe for them to be able to have meaningful work that's worthwhile, where they come in and they can feel like they're part of a team, they understand what the big goals are and what it is that we're working for, and that they're not treated like what we can often have stereotypes out there about seasonal work and temporary workforce. Oftentimes, people that are in those positions that are looking for seasonal work and looking for temporary work is because they've come to a crossroad. They have been in a career that's no longer serving them and they need to pivot. They need to make a decision about what their next career move is, but they're stuck. You can help unstuck them and they'll either come and learn, oh my gosh, I love this, or they're going to come and learn, oh my gosh, I do not like this. But either way, it's a win-win for the both of you. They get a great wage. You get the productivity out of them. You get to meet your productivity goals. And it's, it's truly a win-win for all of you. So when we're talking about all those applicants that are coming in, hopefully they're qualified, like what you said, who is it that sifts through all those? Would you recommend a VA if we have a VA or should it be the you as the CEO that sifts through them to see if there is alignment with what you want? No, it's not you. <laughs> You're busy. You're busy doing other things. You're doing the $10,000 tasks. You're not doing the $100 tasks, right? You've learned that's the only way. The team is how we scale. And when CEOs realize that they, their best efforts need to be over here in the strategic tasks, get out of the tactical tasks. Get over into the strategical tasks. That's really where you're going to be of value to your business. So yes, a VA is a perfect person on your team. Better yet... It could be someone on your team that actually knows the work, right? The people Mm -hmm. that do the work know the most about the work. So they will be the ones that will be able to go through that application and be able to quickly tell, is this person going in the keep pile or are they going in the toss pile? And how you can make this even simpler is to set up your job posting where how to apply, the how to apply descriptors is going to have a trigger built in. So some of the things that I like to do, I just did a job description for one of my um, private clients who's looking for a crackerjack executive assistant because this woman owns three businesses, right? So we need a crackerjack executive assistant. So one of the triggers at the end of the job posting was you can apply by providing this, this, and this through an email use with this in the subject line. And the subject line was, I'm ready to provide ease. Carrie, right? I am ready to take over Carrie's life. I am ready to put structure in Carrie's life. Put some sort of a sentence in there so that when those applications start coming through your inbox, you'll very quickly be able to go, 
toss, trash, trash. Because if they can't follow simple instructions of that job application, they're not for you. Mm -hmm. So then you can have your VA, you can give her either permission to have that specific inbox. Sometimes we'll create a separate email. It could be jobs at the product boss. So everyone's coming in and applying to jobs at the product boss. Your VA owns that email box and that person will go through and, and do the good, better, best pile. Okay, this one was a good one. This was better. This was best. But either way, the good, better, best information is there for you. And then you or someone close to the work would then be the next phase where they're going to go and look at these applicants and decide, okay, who do we want to do a pre-screening with? Who do we want to do a pre-screening call? Now, in some businesses, it makes sense to be able to do a quick 10-minute call by phone to just double check some of the information. Others, you may want to come and do like a job fair. But like depending on how big of a hire, if you're going to do a batch hire, you might want to host a job hire where only the best from the good, better, best pile get invited to come in to that open job fair where you would have people teed up to do immediate in-person quick interviews with them right there that then moves them to the next stage of the decision. So you're working through this where you're weeding out people because I have a dream that every single entrepreneur only surrounds themselves with high performing people, no more mediocre. Mm -hmm. I love that. And so one more question about the, the hiring or the, uh, job post, would you say put an end date? Would you put an end date if it is a temporary hire, like end date at this date? And then do you recommend adding, um, in how much you're paying per hour or salary base? So always have a closure date on it because that's a call to action. If it's open-ended, what can end up happening is people are like, yeah, whatever. Like it's, it's, there's no real sense of urgency there. So when you have a, we'll be accepting applications up until this date, it's a true call to action. The other thing is I am a fan of telling people, here's the job, here's the job title, here's who you're going to be reporting to, here's your core responsibility, here's your hours of work. Come right out and say, this is a virtual position or this is an in-person position. Come right out and say, if you are located within a half an hour drive to my city, I'd love to meet you. Right? Like, tell people right up front. And when you think about a job description, they start at the top. And as they start going down and weeding through, they're still going, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. This is cool. I'm in. And you want them to get all the way down to the bottom of the job description. Or you want them to stop halfway through because they realize, oh, this isn't for me. And that's wonderful because it doesn't waste their time and it doesn't waste yours. So including in what the hourly wage is, do it. Even if it's a range, do it. Because that will either attract people towards you or it will repel people away from you. And either way, it's saving you so much time. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that it's like a sales page as well sort of thing. So you're, mm-hmm. you know, because I feel oftentimes there's a weird power st- dynamic, not struggle, but a dynamic, you, you might be desperate looking for someone needing help and feeling like you need to hire them, hire people quickly or vice versa. Like you might feel like, Oh, I, my 
business isn't big enough for someone that's qualified or can I afford to hire someone with like the qualifications I really need? And, you know, so I think having it all laid out and super clear as a sales page in the way of like, you're selling this position to them. And if they want in, they will continue down the page. Yeah. And you can also put things in like, this is not for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like just put some statements in there that says, especially in terms of seasonal work, you could put a statement right in there that says, if you're looking for a long-term career here and you're not willing to try us out with this particular seasonal opportunity, this job isn't for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I also, as a you know entrepreneur, love that batching that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Batch hire these people. <laughs> <laughs> it also creates excitement about you and your brand. Mm-hmm. When you can host a job fair and lots of people are coming and you use social media in the right way, you can actually propel and create even more momentum for it. Mm-hmm. And then what ends up happening is, I mean, I've been such a fan of this. I've learned it for many years. High-performing people like to work with other high-performing people. Mm-hmm. So when they're going to a job fair because they're excited about this opportunity, they'll think back about other former colleagues and team members that they've worked in the past that might be at work at the moment or looking for a new career change, looking to try something on, something a little different. And they'll call them out and say, mm-hmm. hey, come with me to this job fair. Yeah. What about structure of interview? So should it be a 45 minutes? Should it be 15? Should there be 20 questions? Should there be two? Do you have any recommendations for that? Well, I think we've all been to an interview or watched an interview down that was over in less than 10 minutes. And the person walked out and like, oh, that was not good. <laughs> right. So like when, when an interview is super short like that, what's happened there is the person hosting the interview has taken control and said, my time's of value. I know yours is too. Obviously this is not a fit. Let me help you get on with your day. Mm-hmm. Boom. Okay. But we also have been to interviews where they've been like, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, and you're going, I'm not here for a C-suite position. I came in (laughs) to get a job as a production manager, or I'm here to be able to, because I have incredible inventory control skills, and I'm looking for another new opportunity just with a different product line. So what you want to do is you want to find that sweet spot. But here's what I find happens with interviews. People get so hung up thinking you have to make the decision that day, Mm. and you really don't. And there's no rule that says you're only allowed to have one interview with someone. You can have as many interviews as you want for you to feel confident to offer up that job, right? Giving someone a job offer is a very big deal. It's a big deal for you and it's a big deal for them. So you want to make sure when you're going in to make the decision to offer someone a job that you feel really confident that this person is a fit. So take the time to understand that. And oftentimes, if you don't go into an interview using any sort of structured, compelling interview questions, what ends up happening is everyone gets a different version of the interview. And that's not fair. That's not fair. Because then at the end of the day, you're going to lay out all your candidates and you're going to make a decision. And Susie had a very different experience than what Hillary had versus what John had versus what Henry had. And so now how do you decide? So if you're going to use a team of people or a panel, like a onesie, twosie, three at the most, never have any more than three people in an interview. Just don't do it. Too intimidating. Move them on to a second interview with second people. Um, 
you want to make sure that the same interviewing questions are being used and the same experience is being offered to every single candidate that's coming in. So that when you score people, right, we like to rate people one to five, five being the best, one being not a great fit at all. You want to be able to compare apples to apples. You want to be able to collectively be aligned that, yep, we need to give this person a job offer. Yeah. Amazing. And so, and so they can prep for that perhaps by writing themselves a script or something to fill out before the interview and thinking about what their needs are. So let's talk about this person is exceptional. You've hired them, they've helped you. And you're thinking maybe, I think we were talking about this off air, but when we, I was saying, if you're hiring for seasonal help, the difference between that to long-term help, but you were saying either way, it should still be somebody that we see potential in working with past the short term, right? Yeah, you don't want to settle, right? So even though it's seasonal, you have a seasonal opportunity right now in your business, you're not going to just like stand out in the, your main street and yell out, bring me your dead. You know, like you're not wanting to say, I'm ready to settle for anybody. I just need bums and seats. Like you want a job? Come on in. That's no way to run a business. You want to hire people who you clearly see have potential to stay with you long-term. So I know oftentimes, especially in the, in the entrepreneurial world, we have this, we hire, we wait too long to hire, which is what we started this conversation with in the first place. We wait too long to hire. So now there's this huge hot seat of sense of urgency where we're just trying to get people in, just trying to get people in. But in actuality, we should be hiring for the future. So we bring someone in because we have an immediate need right now today, but we're looking for potential for them to grow along with you as the business grows. Right? We don't have time to be continually reaching backwards and dragging people up alongside you as the business grows. You want to be able to look at people that says, you know what, you're doing an incredible job right now within this role. I see a ton of potential that you could possibly shift over into this role or move over into this department or help me out with this project. I love that. And that makes perfect sense. It's very expensive to bring somebody on, especially with the mm -hmm. training and even mm -hmm. the emotional energy of it. Um, I do have a question on expectations, right? Mm -hmm. And um, evaluations. How often should you be evaluating your team members? Um, do you recommend like every 30 days? And, and do you have a format for how that's done? Is it self-evaluation and then team evaluation and then CEO evaluation? Or is it um, you know, more so, um, it's just set and, and then that's how it's done. I love these questions. <laughs> this stuff always lights me up. So what we want to have happen with our teams is that performance evaluations and feedback should never be a surprise. Okay. Never, right. We should never be bringing someone in and firing them and mm -hmm. having them look at you like deers in the head, like going, what, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. Feedback is ongoing. Okay. Right? Feedback is a gift. And so what we want to do is we want to create these touch points along the way, throughout your week, throughout your month, throughout your quarter, where you're connecting in and having conversations with your team members. It's during daily huddles. It's during weekly team meetings. It's through a monthly wrap-up with your leadership team. It's with specialty working meetings that you're going to have with the production team. You're having these touch points all the way throughout the journey of your week and your month and your quarter with your team members and always offering them feedback. So then when it comes time to do performance reviews, which need to happen at least annually, should happen okay. annual. Every employee on your team deserves to have formal documented feedback provided to them 
at least once a year. Okay. And not that kind where it's pencil whipped, where you cut, copy, paste. Have you ever had, like, you all <laughs> got kids. Have you ever got a report card and was going through it and realized that the teacher cut, copy, pasted a comment from some other kid's report card, but she forgot to take the name out, right? We don't want to have that happen with our team members. Mm-hmm. That is such a red flag for team members. So you want to have time to be able to put together a quality performance review once a year. And the information will be so much easier for you to gather and to put together and to document because you've had these touch points with them all along. Mm -hmm. That's great. So, and I think, and I think something for everyone to think about is if they are going to hire on seasonally, let's say, or they're going to hire someone for the short term, see, even reviewing your own business, like auditing yourself, we're saying, okay, adding this person increased our revenue because we, we didn't have these hiccups. We were able to ship faster. Um, I had more white space to do the CEO level work that I needed to do. So I think that's a, even for yourself to do a review after these hires to see, okay, maybe it is worth the investment to keep this person on. Or now that I've onboarded a person like this, and maybe they do have to leave because they were only coming in for part-time work, you could see a role that maybe was really effective in your business that should be filled. Because I think a lot of times product people have their money invested into so many other things and they feel like, well, I can do it. I'm making Mm -hmm. it. I can sell it. I can get it online. I can handle my own social media. I can ship it. And um, many times, like you were saying, are they doing the $10,000 job or the $100 job? Or are you doing the $100 job versus the $10 job? So um, I like this idea of the audit of yourself and then your team. And especially if you are a solopreneur, looking at yourself and thinking, okay, performance wise, am I doing the best I can or should I be hiring someone to help me out? Right. And I think, um, I, what I'm wondering too, is are you a fan of those self evaluations? Right. I saw this when, even when I was a contractor working at banks, they would have us, even as contractors, self evaluate us ourselves. And then when we would have the next one, we would evaluate ourselves and score ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then I see it even in parent teacher conferences, my own daughter has to, I mean, she even scores, scores herself low on being too talkative because she knows She's yeah. very talkative and it's disturbing to her fellow students, you know? So um, is that something that you would recommend is having self-evaluation as well as part of the feedback? Absolutely. Self-evaluation leads to self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And so the more self-awareness you can have as people, as a human race, the better mm-hmm. off we are. So the more times we can t- stop and take a few moments to reflect on our own level of contribution, where did I add value? You know, what did I do really well? What do I still need to learn? What haven't I quite mastered yet? Having all of those moments of reflection to be able to go in to a performance review actually takes the sting out of the feedback. Mm-hmm. I like that. It also adds a layer of delight when you realize you were a little hard on yourself or that how you think you're perceived amongst your team and your leaders is not really the truth, that they actually perceive you in another way. So always do a little bit of that self-assessment. But the other thing I would tell your entrepreneurs as well is don't get caught up in thinking that you have to offer this like fancy pants, 360 degree feedback performance review. I mean, that's what corporations use. Absolutely. Because they have the time to be able to pull it off and they have the money to be able to spend on it. You can use a simple performance review. If you just Google simple performance reviews, many of them will come up. And it will hit the highlights of the, how this person is performing, their behavior, their level of contribution, communication skills, 
you know, effectiveness, time management, all of those things. And that's really the meat and potatoes of the kind of feedback that you want to give people. Awesome. So Shelly, thank you for being on. This was so helpful to our entrepreneurs. Would you mind telling them all where they can, uh, they can listen to you on stacking your team, but how they might be able to work with you if they feel like they need help with hiring, firing, inspiring, um, and building and stacking their teams? Sure. Well, you can always hit me up in the DMs and Instagram where I'm Shelly Warren. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Or you can come to the Biz Chicks podcast or you could come to the Stack Your Team podcast because often Natalie and I are on each other's podcasts. Or you can come to the website and just click the Work With Me page. I'm you know, always open and ready to do strategy sessions with anyone. I love working one-to-one with clients. We have group programs as well. And um, I'm also, you know, draw me an email. Let me know what's up, what's, what's going on in your business. I love to learn more about you and your business and your team challenges. And if you have an idea for a podcast episode, by all means, let me know what they are too. Awesome. Thanks so much, Shelly. And we'll have all that in the show notes too. And thanks so much for, for being on the show. You're welcome, ladies. Thank you. This episode is over, but it doesn't have to end. Head over to our Facebook group, search for the Product Boss Biz Community, or the link is also in the show notes. Come connect with other product bosses just like you. We'll see you in there. If you love the Product Boss Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, share, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, Product Bosses, let's make it happen.